This episode of Box Cutters is brought to you by Lord of the Fries, helping us get to South by Southwest and specialising in fresh cut fries accompanied by a variety of internationally inspired sauces, as well as vegetarian and vegan burgers, hot dogs, onion rings and nuggets. Previously on Box Cutters. <laughs> hey! Lovely. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 295. It's this week, it's last week, it's next week, it's some week. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. John, you and I, yeah. this, uh, this Thursday night, 23rd of February, mm-hmm. we're going to be at Acme. Again? Again. Hey. Yeah. Uh, part of their live in the studio talking about uh, sex, violence, blood, sand, apparently. <laughs> and we'll be demonstrating all those things live on stage. On stage. Mm. We will be throwing blood and sand <laughs> at the audience. You can get your tickets from acme.net.au, uh, which I think is their website. Do you use pig blood? <laughs> Do we use pig blood? Yeah. Don't give away all the surprises. Spoilers. No yeah. Spoilers. No, I want to know. No, but no, the, the audience will be like, do, oh my God, it's human. You know, like, <laughs> we do, however, use equine sand. <laughs> it's oh, more okay. expensive, but it's better. It's yeah. so much worth it. So much worth it. <laughs> so much worth so it. So much worth it. You know what is worth it? What? This week's episode of Box Cutters. Why is that, Josh? Well, because we've got Ben McKenzie coming in yeah. to talk about uh, geeks on TV. Well, geeks versus nerds. Who, who's Ben McKenzie? Ben McKenzie, is a, is, he's a comedian around town. Uh-huh. He's, uh, he's got a, a Melbourne Comedy Festival show called... Uh, Called the Peer Review. Oh, I've heard about that. Yes, which is a great it's, name. It, it's it a is great title. It is a fantastic title. The Peer uh, Review. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a show about science. Uh, so that's going to be on Melbourne Comedy Festival. Buy tickets. Uh, he is very funny. You may remember him for me as one or possibly two lines in uh, the Bazira Project episode. That's four. how I like to remember. Yeah, <laughs> not not as not as Man About Town or uh, local mutton chops. Oh, and he's in Woodley <laughs> episode one. Yeah, he's also yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's he's in that. He's not in any episodes of uh, Outland, which we're not mentioning this week, John. <laughs> Oh, right. We're not oh, mentioning right. Outland 9.30 p.m. When you make your TV show, Wednesday I'm sure night, help promote it, but no. On ABC. Oh, right. We're not <laughs> We're not mentioning Look, it. If the ABC won't do it, why should we? <laughs> yeah, where's my eight cents? What else is in this show? Oh, uh, we, we, we've got to talk about episodic television. I, I, that sounds like we have to talk about episodic <laughs> television, but no, we have a talk. But I, I, I've, I've had this tendency recently to say we've got rather than just we have. I don't know why, but we'll be talking about episodic television later on in the show. We will, I promise. And and kind of, it's it's death or questionable death or what is happening with episodic television. And are we forced? Are we going to be forced to watch serials for the rest of our lives? Uh, we've got no, I don't buy it. We've got one thing. We've got pork at the end of it. As always, they were going to kick things off. With Ben McKenzie talking about geeks. I suggest rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock. (laughs) What? It's very simple. Scissors cuts paper. Paper covers rock. Rock crushes lizard. Lizard poisons Spock. Spock smashes scissors. Scissors decapitates lizard. Lizard eats paper. Paper disproves Spock. Spock vaporizes rock. And as it always has, rock crushes scissors. Okay, I think I got it. Ben McKenzie, welcome to Box Cutters. Welcome to me, yes. And I mean, I am going to be on the ABC again uh, in the first episode of Woodley. That's the one they're actually promoting. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be in the show that people are actually watching, yeah, and right. you'll be, you've got the show that's actually good. Um, <laughs> No, that's not, that's a lie. I think Woodley also will be good. Yeah. I, just, I just said that for you. Ben, you are uh, you, you are a, a dice roller. Yes. A, a miniature maker? Not no? so much, actually. No? I, I have done a little bit of that. So, a, yes, I dabble in pretty much all of the nerdy pursuits. You're a nerd. You're a nerd. Sometimes, Absolutely. Sometimes called a geek. Uh, but, but you are professionally, though... And it, you, you do you do a series of shows called Dungeon Crawl, which is like a, a live comedy Dungeons and Dragons game. Yes, uh, you are the person best suited in all of the world. That's that's a big call. No pressure, um, but I'm going to rise to the challenge to come onto box cutters and talk about nerds slash geeks on TV. Yes, because it is a. To- I have to admit, it's a topic I'm I'm slightly cross about about it. I'm, I'm cross about the way. 
nerds are portrayed on TV. So, so they're portrayed negatively most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I Thanks mean, for joining some box cutters. I think <laughs> it's probably. Well, <laughs> thank you. Uh, well, it's fair to say though, isn't it, that the reason we're here to talk about nerds on TV is probably the Big Bang Theory. Would I be wrong in saying that? Because it is phenomenally popular. Uh, well, I was actually thinking because Outland. Uh, Yes, John, John, and he's just trying to work out any kind of tie-in with Outland so we can promote it on the show. But I see we're recording this in the past, listeners, so I haven't seen Outland yet. And I will say I'm super excited about it, and it will become apparent why because I think Outland is going to be a really great portrayal of nerds on TV from everything that I've heard. It's terrible for the gays, though. Um, yeah, <laughs> gays are going to hate it, but the nerds are going to love it. Um, no, that's not true. Everyone will love it. But I think yeah, it's it's like an antidote because it. I recently, I was listening to another podcast. I know that's blasphemy <gasps> to say that. Uh, that John was a guest on, actually. Was it Mondy's? Was it Mondy's it podcast? It was Mondy's Shooting podcast. The Shooting the Pooh. And they were talking about, they mentioned Big Bang Theory. And the thing that they said about it, which really does sum up kind of what's wrong with it, is that it's really mean. It's really mean. You've got these four main characters who are nerds. And I, I always, when people ask me about it, they go, oh, you'd like that, wouldn't you? And I know. I think it sets human nerd relations back about 50 years. Because it does. These, these guys are stereotypes. From the 50s. They're, they're indistinguishable in most ways, except for their pop culture references, from the nerds you would see in Revenge of the Nerds. They, they dress the same. Like none of the, the only one who doesn't dress like he's from the 50s and is colorblind is Sheldon. And he, he just wears you know, superhero T-shirts and jeans the whole time, which you wouldn't always get away with when you're a theoretical physicist. But we'll come back to that. But it's just it's so, such a mean show because you're always laughing at them. Even the one character, um, Leonard, who you're supposed to identify with and like, is still, you know, he's, he's, he kind of comes across as a bit of, not as much of a nerd, because he's, he's likeable. Yeah. Well, it's not strictly true. I mean, the, the four characters in, the main characters in the Big Bang Theory, you can differentiate them, because there's the, there's the one who's re- represented in such a way as you must, you can only infer they must have Asperger's. He doesn't understand human emotions. He's not just crap at conveying them or doesn't deal well with them. He just doesn't... He's like a robot, which is Sheldon, you know, the one that everyone thinks is funny. And he is... I mean, I have a real love-hate relationship with the show because I think in many ways it's very funny. And it's clear that the people writing it are real nerds because they, they get all the nerd stuff right. Like, when, if they make a reference to a Star Trek episode, it's the right episode. They don't screw that stuff up. Or but then they'll do weird stuff, like they'll put a card game in that they're all playing... And it won't be Magic the Gathering or some real card game. It'll be one that they've made up, which might be for licensing reasons. But it still doesn't play like any card game that real nerds would play. So there's weird things that they don't quite get, but most of the things they get right. So you know they're real nerds. But at the same time, these characters are awful. Like again, I said before, Leonard's the one that you identify with and you think he's nice. Sheldon is a robot who treats his friends incredibly badly a lot of the time because he doesn't understand that they will feel bad. Like, he says hurtful things, he embarrasses them, um, and that's where a lot of the comedy comes from, is this guy just does not get it. Like, he doesn't understand that what he's doing is hurting other people, or is selfish, or is inconsiderate. But then, So, he, so he's the foreigner, he's the belky, he's the... He is. Yeah. Yeah, but he never, he never learns, and he's not heartwarming. Like, you can say a lot of things about perfect strangers, but you can't say that we didn't all love Balky. <laughs> Okay, you can say that, but if you didn't like him, like, you're dead to me. So anyway, it's also you can say a lot of things about perfect strangers. I think that was also as a sentence was, can you? I know I'm going is out there, on a limb there. Is there a lot of things? Well, you can sing the whole theme song, and that's that's a lot of. And words. it did have Belky in it. So that's two things. There you go. Yeah, so and go on. Uh, but no, but the other two characters—they're the ones that really turned me off the show, because uh, Rajesh and Howard. Uh, they're basically misogynists. They treat women incredibly badly. They spend all their time trying to get laid, trying to go out with women. Rajesh is presented as this guy. He's an Indian student. He's come from India to study in America, uh, and uh, he has various issues with his visa at some points in the show. Uh, But he's always represented particularly badly as he cannot speak to women. Like, he's otherwise fairly cool, normal guy. And initially, when I saw the show, I kind of liked him. And then as soon as I saw an episode where they did any of the shtick with him talking to women... I just was, I can't like this guy. Like, he just turns into the worst kind of chat-up artist who just says the most horribly sexist things. Uh, and it's played for laughs. I'm like, this is not cool. Like, I don't care how nerdy you are. And I, and I would be the first one, and this is controversial when I say this to some people, but I think that geek culture, unfortunately, is probably much more misogynist than mainstream culture. 
because it comes from this male-dominated mindset. You have all these engineers and sci-fi fans and a lot of guys, basically, who denied any kind of power in mainstream culture, have created this sort of subculture of their own and exclude people from it. It's, you know, it's that weird thing where well, we're the outcasts, let's make an inclusive society of our own, but then you make your own exclusions, one of which has traditionally always been women. And that's hopefully changing for the better. But shows like Big Bang Theory don't do anything to reinforce that. And, and Rajesh is the, he's probably the, he's kind of the worst, but Howard is also pretty bad because he is always also saying things about women and his attitude towards women, how he treats them is, is generally pretty bad until he gets a, a steady girlfriend who progresses in the series to the point where he's going to marry her. And I, I'm realizing as I tell this story that I have watched a lot of Big Bang Theory just to research for this show. And it's making me oh, yeah, sad. Blame us. Blame us. It's making me a bit upset. No, but he... Um, and, and it's interesting, the women who characters are on the show as well, because it was the only, ma- the only regular character on the show who's a woman is not a nerd. She's, but, she's because this is the thing I was going to bring up, because I've actually seen, I've seen one episode, but the one episode I have seen, and I only saw it because I kept being told that Outland apparently was Big Bang Theory, so I thought eventually I should watch some. No. And it struck me that, that it was laughing at the nerds, it was very mean-spirited, and the traditional Revenge of the Nerds kind of way. And I assumed, well, when the, the normal character shows up, obviously we're meant to be on her side. And then it was really mean to her. Yeah. Saying she was really stupid. It's mean to everyone. And it's the nerds being mean to her because she turns up and she's not really interested in Star Trek or the game that they're playing. Or they are all playing a game. There's one episode where they're all obsessed with this card game. And she's just bored with it because she doesn't get it. And that's played for laughs. Like only idiots would find, you know, only weird nerds would find this game entertaining. It's clearly too arcane and complex for normal people to entertain uh, or enjoy. But then, you know, she'll make some mistake and the nerds will put her down for being stupid. And, you know, not not Leonard because he's our nice guy character, so to speak. But the other nerds will be mean to her. So why is this show so popular? This is like a huge, this is, you know, one of the, one of the biggest comedies on television at the moment worldwide. Yeah. And I, I, I can only imagine it's because we, because you've seen this rise. My theory is this, this is the rise of the nerd in culture. Like people have seen, you know, Microsoft and Steve Jobs and all this stuff happen where the idea is that the, the geeks will inherit the earth, right? That's going to happen. That's going to be the next thing. And to be a geek is now cool. And that there's this whole subset of society that's threatened by that idea because they don't feel like they fit in with those people, those people, and they don't want that to happen. And so if you make a TV show that at the same time can be said to be celebrating that to the nerds, because it's hugely popular amongst nerds as well, which boggles my mind, but then also is making fun of them so everybody else can enjoy it and sort of go, yeah, put the nerds back in their place. I think that's, you know, it kind of makes me cynical about television viewers and people in general. That's why it makes me sad, that show. The thing is, I, I think from, from an early age, uh, nerds are stigmatised. And I think yeah. shows like that uh, work, work towards that. But then there are shows like Freaks and Geeks yeah. that I think really reflect that, that lifestyle, that the, uh, the geeks in that show... They're real just, geeks. They're real geeks. They are just normal people. Yeah. Uh, who are maligned by by society. Yeah. And it's it's a real... I mean, it's that outcast thing really does... I mean, it, everyone can resonate with that on some level, I think, un- unless you're hyper-popular, in which case you're probably not talking to me. So I think that it's a universal story, isn't it? And it's But it's interesting that I think there's a big distinction in television. There are shows like Freaks and Geeks where the geeks are the outcast heroes. But there's a lot of shows where the outcasts are not really nerds. They're a different kind of outcasts. Like Daria, for example, is a great one where you talk about these people who don't fit in with the mainstream. And mm. Daria and all her friends are, are cool, but they're cool in their own way. But they're not really nerds. Like they're kind of goths and they're, they're kind of into that whole grunge scene and... I don't remember there being any nerds on the show, or if there were, you know, they were probably people that Daria tried to avoid hanging out with. There, there, there were, there were a few, a, a few nerds, but not, not in that Big Bang Theory kind, yeah. kind of nerds. That's right. They were, they were abhorrent misogynists. Yeah, or yeah. just one, one particular upchuck. I'm thinking of. Oh yeah, yeah. So we've got Big Bang Theory, which is your kind of current lodestone. If yes. you will, yes. Are there other shows as well that you were become? There's there's a lot of shows. I, I sat down and thought about it and like, where did I? Because I went right back to the start. Because we were talking about the fact, you know, did you have nerd friends in high school? And I didn't. Um, 
not really. Like I had a couple, I probably had two nerdy friends when I was in high school. In primary school, not really anybody. And so I never got to do a lot of those things that you do. But I always knew what a nerd was. And I started thinking about this. Like, where did I learn that? And interestingly, a lot of the really early nerds on TV that I remember seeing were quite positive role models. I, I will admit my first ever crush was not on a real person it was on a character in tv and it was penny in inspector gadget because she was cute and she was funny and she was smart and she had a book that was also a computer and what could she be better redundant. than redundant yeah see well that's how you see it i i saw it as two of my favorite things mashed together into a wonderful new device. And admittedly, when you think about it, it doesn't make any sense. She had a dog that could dress up as a waiter and the computer impressed you? That (laughs) dog dog could pretend to be people. Well, he was a very talented dog. I I also liked Brain, but I didn't have a crush on Brain. (laughs) He didn't have cute blonde pigtails. But see, so she, but Penny was a nerd, right? Because she used to be smart. But she, and you never really see her. She doesn't have any friends. Like she doesn't hang out with other people. But then, even then, uh, in the uh, in the show, you've got also a really awful stereotype of a nerd when Captain Cape Man comes in, like that sidekick who you may or may not remember, and he just had a big C on his shirt and he wore like a superhero outfit. But he was basically like the comic book guy as a younger man dressing up in a superhero outfit, trying to help Inspector Gadget, and he was completely useless. Like, he was even worse than Gadget himself. And he was this sort of really negative stereotype of a nerd. So it was this, there was a weird juxtaposition there. But the other one was Press Gang. And I, I was thinking, I know there were nerds in Press Gang, and it took me ages to figure out which one is the nerd. And Sarah is probably the biggest nerd, I think, in Press Gang. They're all nerds in Press Gang. Well, see, you say that, but in they presented as everyone works on the Junior Gazette. Like... Yes, they're supposedly all nerds, but you've got all the different archetypes from from high school represented on the staff because you've got the cool kids, you've got the serious ones, you've got the, you know, I mean, Kenny, you could probably argue as a nerd, and he was always the character I identified with the most. Um, but he's just a really nice guy, and he gets along with everyone, so he's he's got lots of friends, so he's not that archetypal nerd thing. And then you've got Sarah, who's really socially awkward. She's really smart. She's really good at what she does. Uh, and then, but she has really horrible time, particularly talking to boys. Um, but you really, but they're really positive role models. They're really good characters to latch onto. But but isn't the whole thing about a nerd that it is just someone with a particular passion? I so think, uh, with an unfashionable passion. Well, see, I think this is where we come to the distinction between nerd and geek because geek means that I think now. But when people talk about a geek. But, I mean, everyone's got different ideas about what the difference is. But the the difference that I think consistently seems to come up is that a geek is someone who, as you say, has a passion for something. And and you can be geeky about anything. Like, we're obviously geeky about television in this studio. Um, I'm geeky about games. And I'm, I'm geeky about pretty much everything, actually. I like to consider myself a nerd for all seasons. But the point is that, you know, the geek is, is somebody who's really passionate about something. And then a nerd is someone who's not... Only that, but also socially awkward and quite unfashionable. And like that is part of the definition of what a nerd is to most people when you talk about it. It's not a cool thing to be. So you're thinking a nerd is a geek plus something. An ex-girlfriend of mine once described the difference as geek is someone who's really nerdy about something that is interesting and or useful to other people. And a nerd is someone who's really geeky about something that is not useful to anyone at all. So if you're really into Star Trek, then you're a nerd. But if you're really into computers, you're probably a geek because that might be helpful to someone. I don't, I don't subscribe to that, but I thought it was a nice idea. I also think that's evolved over the years, that people into computers in the early days... Wouldn't have been useful would have to been, people, yeah, yeah, But yeah. now they can fix stuff for us. I, but, but I do like that distinction that uh, Star Trek is of no use to anyone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you know, for, in, in a practical sense. <laughs> Clearly in an imagination and enjoyment sense. Yeah. It's you're talking about use. applied Star Trek rather than theoretical. <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. Although it certainly hasn't taught anyone any science, but we won't go. That's not good. I, I always liked physical Star Trek more than organic. <laughs> I think that's reasonable. <laughs> ben McKenzie, I, I, I think you've, uh, you, you've given us a lot to think about in terms of geek versus nerd versus TV. Yeah. Do you think there's a, a future when nerds – because that's the, the thing about Big Bang Theory is they are nerds they by, are by nerds. your, by your de- definition. Do you think there's a time when nerds will be portrayed as just regular folk? I hope it's on Wednesday nights at 9.30 on the ABC. Bam! <laughs> Nice work. Yeah. No, I really, I am seriously, because the other thing I thought about when preparing for this was where, when have we seen nerds on Australian TV? And very rarely. Like, I came up with, uh, I think, two 
maybe two examples, and one of them was Mervyn from Swap Shop. And I don't even know if anyone <laughs> remembers that show. But he was a proper nerd. Like, he had the braces and everything, and he couldn't talk to him. He was really nervous the whole time. But he wasn't even, but, you know, he wasn't into computers or anything. But he's really nervous, shy, you know, guy. And, but he was lovely. And when he got his chance to shine, like, he took it, you know, because my enduring memory of that show, if you don't remember, it was a, a sort of a, an afternoon uh, show on the ABC about this shop where you could take anything in and swap it for something else uh bears no resemblance to the british show uh also called swap shop which is completely different hosted by noel edmonds but it's it was um this show was just weird magical little show and then this just this character and one episode he got the chance to sing and he was super nervous about it it was like a competition or something and he did wild thing and you've never seen a nerdier, more lovely version of Wild Thing in your life. It's incredible. And it, uh, that was a really triumphant nerd moment. But I can't think of any other nerds on Australian TV. Who was your other? You said two. Oh, yeah. Um, there was one. Oh, well, actually, there's a Dexter. couple. There's some negative ones. De- Dexter was a robot. Yeah. He, he, was, he was unfashionable. Uh, he wasn't really a robot. Pedantic and, and passionate. Yeah. But also just a robot. Yeah, doesn't really count. Um, I think, well, actually. Also, he had a skill that was useful because he could tell you how much compatibility could, yeah. he had with other people <laughs> as a percentage, which was interesting. And he wore and he wore a bow tie, which means that he was probably a pediatrician, <laughs> <laughs> or the eleventh doctor. Who they're cool. Um, no, I think well, the only other one I could come up with. When I was thinking about it. Is winners and losers is kind of about nerds in a way, except that they're kind of. Oh, oh see now I'm angry. Yeah, <laughs> you say winners and losers. I go, oh, it's it's the, the fat one, isn't it? It's like because she's the fat yeah, one, but and she's only a virgin, they, and she's she's a bit geeky. Only because they dress her up and make her that way. But they've like gone. What is every negative yeah. social stereotype we can find and put them on one character? character. Yeah, yeah. Like she's indigenous. Furious. She's in a wheelchair. <laughs> 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 I'm celebrating, goddamn you, celebrating. Um, but the other, but yeah, because and she's in sharp contrast to the other three who are supposedly lo- this are all supposedly losers. There's nothing particularly losery about the other three, but they just heaped all this stuff onto her and made her into this weird nerdy character. And I've seen photos of her at awards. She's a gorgeous woman, uh, and they make her wear this horrible outfits. Again, like in uh, Big Bang Theory, they dress them up like they're from the 50s and colorblind. They do the same thing to her, and it's just uh, it's terrible. So they're the only two I could come up with. Really. Ben McKenzie, thank you so much for joining us on Box Cutters. It's been an absolute pleasure. Are you one of those that follows follows the Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July. Go down on you. John Richards over the summer saw the Star Wars Christmas special. Holiday special. Holiday special, sorry. No. Yeah. On no. was that on Endor? Uh it's it's on the planet of the Wookiees. Yeah, so it's, which is not so it's Endor. Not Endor. It's which got, is not, no, it's, it's, it's got, got Chewbacca's family. Chewbacca's family, yeah. and it's got some made-up, uh, yeah, some made-up name. It's not a real planet. Yeah. As, no, it's got, <laughs> as we all know, if Chewbacca lives on Endor, it makes Where's, no sense. Whereas Endor, yeah, yeah it's a real planet. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, and if it doesn't make sense, you, it, you, you, it you must, you must quit. Yeah. It's got Wookiee's wife Marla, his son uh, Itchy. No, it was Lumpy, and his dad's itchy. <laughs> oh. There's itchy and Lumpy, oh, anyway. Oh, you can get a cream for that. <laughs> so, anyway, so, so he's, he's seen that, but he's, he's seen it in... Uh, I don't know why I'm telling this and, and you're not. He's, he's seen it in the, uh, in the third person. And, and the, uh, one of the... Uh, a, a recording of the original airing, which I think he found in your crates under your bed, yeah. Brett. Uh, and it has ads, original US ads. All the original 1978 American ads. So we'll be bringing those as a series of I Don't Buy It. Lots of cigarette ads. I think um, the plural is I Don't Buys It. I Don't Buys It. That would have um, been before the time of Big Pharma, so every other ad isn't about uh, erectile dysfunction? There, no, the, there's, a, there's, there's a couple of those. The, the best one is the one for the, the Ladies' Garment Workers' Union. But, yeah, we will be, we'll be coming up to those. That's... That's a little taster for you, but no more spoilers. See, you had me at Ladies' Garment, lost me at Union. <laughs> yeah. Brett, you've got an I Don't Buy It for us now. I've that just that getting... is not from 1978. Uh, certainly not from 1978. Uh, I, d- I don't think they had some of the colours that they had uh, in this. It's the. Um, it, it's been just freaking me out. You remember uh, that not too long ago, uh, and, and I Don't Buy It was uh, with the little kid in the nappies who was doing the uh, MC Hammer Oh yes, this has had a similar effect on me. It um, it kicks off with a kid with with terrible, terrible teeth and, and far too blonde and, and freaky looking, um, and then it just gets into these random words for some reason. I'm not sure. Have not, heart, live, life, no love, 
be child. I, Hog's I re- Breath Cafe grow. grow Mum. Dad. Dad. Fun. Joy. This has a very late 80s run. nightclub feel to it. Late 80s, Jump, early 90s. Eat. Help. help. Yeah. Give, dance, beat, make, make laugh, see, smile. smile. Help. Help. Energy. Forever. This, this will be playing on the Family. big screens while we were dancing to 808 State. Hog's Breath have, have heart. Live. Live. You went with live. I went with live. Could be the one. B child. HBC. It keeps going. How long does this go on for? When did Caring you... day. Well, usually each track's seven minutes and you're still dancing. <laughs> so, you know, that's how long I would expect this to run it for. Goes, it goes for as long as the drugs last. Exactly. The, Brett, where did you see this ad? This has been everywhere. Uh, this particular one, I think, was might have been Sunday morning TV. Um, but it's on during uh, sports. Really? On they the actually tele- play that on television. Yeah, yeah, the same one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a bit and surprised because it's yeah. everywhere, and I can't get away from that. Because my freaking bad tooth kid. <laughs> Weirdly, so, so I, I can eat. I can eat children and corn. Is it children? It's children of the corn. <laughs> no, but I genuinely had a nostalgia flashback on that one because it does have that kind of 1989 through 1991, you know, 808 states um, stuck a humanoid um, kind um, of. De La Soul. It's like the Technotronic video. Yeah, yeah, it's like the stuff they used to play in nightclubs. And black box, black box. And of course, yeah, and and that well, would boys, would well, would you know that child would conceivably be the right age for the children if I had them now, you know, so it's, <laughs> so maybe it is actually aimed at, at people of my age to go, ah, oh, do you remember we used to go to nightclubs? Let's go to whatever that place is. Hog, Hog's, Hog's Breath, Breath Cafe. Cafe. But what, I what, suspect what mostly it? it's, it's aimed at the kids, I, and I assume that it's just a, a nag web <laughs> in a te- televisual kind of way um, to get the kids to nag the parents to take them to Hog's Breath Cafe so they can help. What is, it's, is, it's is like, it an actual cafe? Like, yeah, what? it's it's like your it's like a steak restaurant, or a, a keg. Like, like a sizzler. Yeah, like it, like a like a sizzler. Yeah. It's but but just those those words, those single words coming up on the screen. It's it's almost like you know what it reminds me of the Groovy Guru, <laughs> the film that the Groovy Guru <laughs> plays. The, the, the I was thinking Manchurian Candidate. Oh, so we're going somewhere it's else. Similar, no, it's a similar, similar. Thing? similar. Right. It's, but mine's a, a Get Smart okay. reference. Right. And uh, the cows of what, what were the cows? Oh, can't think. Oh, but yeah, yeah, no, you've, uh, I, I know what you're thinking of, but mm. no, I can't. Uh, Gri- Grivy Guru, who's played by uh, uh, Storch, what's his name? Storch on uh, from F Troop uh, on Get Smart, and uh, and he's like this hippie guy who uh, who will uh, do. What's it called? I've just my brain. Uh, th- this thing has broken my brain. <laughs> I think it's got a frequency that drives them yeah. insane or something. Man, yeah, I, I, Larry, Larry Storch. I won't buy it, but I will assassinate the prime minister. What? Hi, I'm Ryan Shelton, Box Cutters' favourite ever guest, and uh, I've really enjoyed myself on Box Cutters. So listen as much as you can, because um, I'll be having it on loop on my iPod. John, we were we were talking after we reviewed Boss. Yeah, which I think should be Boss. Uh, we, we reviewed Boss, and and then we were talking after the show, and you said uh, you, you had a theory. Well, I, I, it's, it's more a worry, but it, but it is a theory. And a it's worrying theory about episodic, a furry, a, a furry about the the notion of episodic television. And so, just to to, to just let me put this into into perspective. TV, you know, back when it started, you had your two types. You've got your serialised television, which tend to be your soap operas that just go on forever. Coronation uh, Street. Yep. See the news. Yeah. Or, or also, in some cases, um, for example, something like the Foresight Saga, which was an adaptation of something, but was, you know, but was one big, long story that was, you know, would have a beginning mm-hmm. and end, but go on for ages. And then you had your episodic television, and things tended to be, uh, and in those days, uh, made so you could play them in any order, because you couldn't be guaranteed of, of stations playing shows in the same order. So, Honeymooners... Uh, I love Lucy. Yeah, even things like Star Trek, and you know, anything was like a drama, um, Dragnet, those sort of things. Where uh, something from beginning to end, there's one story, it gets wrapped up, um, but no one's ever going to change or develop. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the big thing, of course, that happened with television and when it got good was, you know, particularly good, was the idea that these two things now became fused, and so you would have. And I'm, I'm probably going to actually point to Buffy. I think is a really good example of this. So. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you have a standalone story in each episode, but you also have a, a story arc. Yes. And when it's working best, the two inform each other and they develop each other and you get this really great sort of novelistic approach someone said once about it. It's like they're chapters in a book, but they're still satisfying within themselves. 
And then every, every now and then you will get a non-core yeah, yeah, uh, episode. Episodes that just exist to be enjoyed by themselves, but often, often even in things like Buffy, uh, and now just thinking, you know, spoiler for Buffy's, but there's an episode in, I think it's series four, in which for one episode, Jonathan, a fairly minor background character, is suddenly the lead. Mm. And even the opening credits have been subtly re-edited to make him really prominent in them. And it turns out he's cast this magic spell because he's a very unpopular kid and wants to be popular. But he has to undo it because he can't stop a horrible thing from happening that Buffy needs to solve. In the course of that episode, though, one tiny piece of information gets brought up that Jonathan knows because he has these magic powers, he discovers, which turns out to be vitally important in the series finale. Yes. And it's just a really lovely thing to have, even in that episode, which is completely self-contained, there is one moment that will contribute to the bigger story. And so, and so that is... So, so you're saying Buffy is a really good example of the melding of the two? I think it is. I think Buffy is an excellent example for, say, but even things like Six Feet Under, which, you know, I, I will disagree with you until you die. It mm. could be soon. Um, but yeah, but I think Six Feet Under, excellent show. And you know, again, it, it combines the story of the week with the ongoing story about the family, the first, the first series in particular. Uh, even I prefer th- to call it a schnorri. Even things like Mad Men, I think, do a really good job in the first series of there's usually uh, they're pitching an ad for something. There's a there's a product that's propelling a story as well as the ongoing story of Don Draper and who he is. But I just noticed recently because I hate True Blood, you know, and I hate it partly because it just feels like a soap opera to me. It just it just goes on forever. It's only just a bunch of camp nothing with cliffhangers at every forty five minutes, which is the only thing that sort of propels you to watch. And to, to, in, in your defence, though, it is a terrible show, and it is a terrible show. But I started noticing just from the things we've been reviewing lately, Boss, for example, is just one big serialised story. You can't start in episode three of Boss and and think that you know what is going and on. And nothing particularly happens in one episode and is contained to one episode. It's all just kind of an ongoing... Yeah. And it's not occurring to me that, that uh, when it was Boss, uh, American Horror Story, there's all these things in which it's basically like you are now just making an eight-hour movie... Or to put that another way, you're just making a really horrible, flabby, ill-formed movie. Like, you know, it's like the things that made television great and propelled, I think, the, the golden age of television are now being thrown away to go back to either a form of soap or an attempt to make a movie-style drama. I'm not quite sure what it is either way. I, and I, I think I've I know. A, I have a theory. Oh, yeah, Brad? What's... We had a similar thing where we had many new shows coming out that that were all trying to capture the magic of Sex in the City. Yeah, yeah. Many trees. Uh, I can't. I can't remember how many there were Lipstick at the time jungle. that we all mm. went through. Cashmere uh, mafia. So, so they're all trying to harness that that massive popularity in in any way they could. It was it was multiple women. Get get the women in. Get the guys in along with the women. What I think they're now trying to do is emulate Lost and I, the success I, of I Lost. Do, I do suspect now. Yeah, I look over you that, that Lost may actually be to blame for some of this. Well, I, I think I think uh, <laughs> I was going to say it's dumb people not understanding how good TV works. The uh, which you know might be harsh, but sure, the uh, Lost is to blame for it. So is Deadwood. So is The Sopranos. So is The Shield. Uh, because these were good shows that had either strong, ever-present arcs or uh, or seemed like they did, where uh, and and were popular and were enjoyed by lots of people. If you look at Deadwood, though, each episode of Deadwood was its own story. Each episode of Deadwood was was standalone. Each episode of The Sopranos was standalone. You didn't need to know who all the characters were or what their histories were. You could understand from watching any individual episode what that situation was. Same with The Shield. Uh, I started watching The Shield from episode uh, five or six, and uh, and was just so taken by uh, the the strength of the characters. Was, oh, I, I have to keep watching this show. And then later went back and, and watched it from the start. Lost is a completely different kind of storytelling. Lost is, uh, the first three seasons at least, is a half-half. There is half of the show that 
is a very strong arc. There is half of the show that is one story mm-hmm. told continuously. And these are the things that take place on the island. The other half of each episode is a standalone episode where we get a flashback to Backstory one of the characters' lives. Genre. Lost did both and did it in a way that nobody else can ever do it. Mm. It does go to The Wire also is, of course, one... Like, you can't really come into The Wire, I think, halfway Except through Except I series. did. I came into The Wire halfway through Series 1 mm-hmm. uh, and... Uh, and went, oh, I want to know more about these characters. So I didn't get any of the any of the backstory. I actually missed the first uh, six episodes of The Wire as, as well. And uh, and so missed all of those episodes where they are setting up the concept of The Wire and setting up the, uh, the, the trail that they're trying to follow. But I guess one of the things that I was wondering too is, am I just wrong? Have I missed that there are other shows still doing? Because like, if you compare, say, Boss to The West Wing, for example, The West Wing still has very complex, ongoing threads and storylines but it still has self-contained episodes you can watch one episode of the west wing and go this is the one in which this particular incident happens and it gets resolved boss is clearly intended not to do that it's it's an ongoing you know the effect of one thing will be be affecting the rest of the series and will go but But also it's it's not a 22 episode series it's an eight episode series Mm the the difference the, the difference is i think in uh in the intention. And the intention with Boss is that people will watch every episode because they will need to know the story. Mm-hmm. That people will want to buy the DVD and watch it from the start because they will need to have every single bit of information from the very start. Uh, the intention of The West Wing was just to have uh, good characters tell uh, a good story. That was the same with The Shield, Deadwood, Sopranos, all these other shows that, that I've mentioned. I think, and, and, you know, getting back to when I said dumb people, it's because the intention is, is wrong. The intention is, is where the dumbness comes in because people don't understand that uh, approaching a TV series from the idea of we're going to make people watch it because it's an ongoing story is wrong. They should try to make people watch it because it's compelling well, to me that's a soap opera so that's my problem with it i think that it just i don't i'm not convinced it's going to have any particular reason to watch it always like there's a beginning and end planned and the rest of it will just be vamping that's kind of what i feel but i'm, I'm wondering whether there are shows still out there i mean house clearly still will have a disease of the week to be solved there's a there's a show that just started on uh, uh on us tv uh that i think came from abc uh in the US, called Alcatraz, uh, which stars Jorge Garcia, uh, who was in who was in Lost, and uh, Sam Neill, who was not in Lost but has lost his ability to do accents. I think is is what we learned from Alcatraz. Uh, that is uh, Criminal of the Week. So you've got you've got your Law and Orders and and you've got things like that and this is uh, so the idea behind Alcatraz is that uh, nobody they never actually shut Alcatraz down just one day all the people from Alcatraz just disappeared and then they reappear in 2012 and there's a crack team who need to go and hunt them down that sounds quite trashy. so it's like Warehouse 13 where one of the artifacts pops up and and they have to go and Detroit. right and Warehouse 13 was like that uh, Fringe was was Fringe, like that leverage. So, so they are they are still making, but, shows but it like feels this. like isn't it funny because with the with the exception maybe they're a fringe. These also they're quite trashy shows though. It sounds like it's almost like now it's the shallow end of the pool has the standalone storytelling, whereas the deep shows, you know, the real shows for adults now seem to be just this ongoing. I feel a bit yeah, mush, you know, to kind of go. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I don't know if there are any deep shows out there. At the moment, do you think? I think, think I think it's a shallow I, pool at the moment. I think maybe you're just jaded. Well, I know it was it was boss that made me think about it. Going, it's not funny that there's the, the melding of these two. I think is what makes strong telly. But I think maybe you're right too. There isn't just that much deep on telly at the moment. Maybe no, because Lost finished and then everyone didn't know what to do. <laughs> Homeland, New Girl, Homeland. But Homeland is Homeland is, does right, have an arc. Yeah, it's it's got on. an arc. Uh, New Girl. New Girl? Uh, has the arc of me 
jumping out of the lounge room to get away from the television. I mean, two poor girls? Two broke girls? girls. Two broke girls has a very strong arc. Clearly, Sherlock still has self-contained episodes, but but they're also 90 minutes longer. Yeah, and And there's there's only three three in a season. But but two broke girls definitely stands alone each each episode. Yes, but it is a sitcom, not uh, not a drama. I went around looking online, and I did find one article. It's a few years old now, but this, this author was saying that she actually prefers that, that they've become this ongoing... Storytelling because she thinks yeah people are affected by things for weeks and things do take weeks because she likes and, commitment and, 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 and things that people well, that can't deal with that are just commitment phobes. Man, I, well, I don't know, there was a, there was an implication that there was a kind of you know oh but you know things do take weeks and you can't just wrap them up in forty five minutes. I thought well you can if if you write well. I, I think that's the thing <laughs> to me. Write well, well, to me, I, I think it's as I, opposed to just writing in that style. I think it's a cop out. I, the other thing too, I do think with a show like Boss, it's so easy to write in that style compared to actually trying to structure something that does do something within 50 minutes that feels complete yeah within complete. itself rewarding yeah. yeah without feeling like it's just a complete cop out I think Northern Exposure also did it quite well just going, going, I'm just going back to shows that did it Northern Exposure had a very strong arc and it was the story of Joel Fleischman and, and his time in Sicily, Alaska the wonder years but they had a weird thing weird thing of the week mm. And and the sh- the shows that do it well have the story that you can tell, but then they have the something of the week. Outland has the location of the week. Of the week of that story, uh, yeah. Yeah, Laid has the dead person of the week. And and I think if you if you have that, this is the story, but then there's these this something of the week that will entertain the occasional viewer, the casual viewer. I think that's – is that the sort of thing that you're looking yeah, for? Yeah, it is. And that's why I think, you know, even, even Mad Men, you know, which I think is one of, the, one of the best recent examples. You look at that first year where, you know, there's one where he has to come up with a pitch for the, the slide projector, the, the, the carousel side is the most famous one to go for. But, but the fact that, yeah, the fact that over the course of that episode, a bunch of other stuff's happening that leads him to then present the pitch at the end. And it's very rewarding as an episode because it all makes one sense in one way and it's complete within itself – but it's still obviously propelling the main story as so well. So what about, uh, like I've, I've declared it's Jump the Shark, but Bones and Castle? But, uh, they, but they've yeah. been around for like five years now. Uh, and, and, so, and so has uh, like Supernatural. But, they, but and they still exist, and so that they're taking up that space that, that anything new a little, might yeah. but it's funny come that, into. But again, they're in that kind of fluffy... I think it's just the interesting idea that it feels like the serious stuff, yeah, which we were talking about in the Golden Years television stuff, ha- had, has done it and is now sort of backing away from it. And I think television seems to be propelled by an idea that whatever's popular at the moment is the only way to make television. Yeah, and there's that sense of, I think, and in Australia that they're now... Because we are so obsessed with soap opera anyway, I think there's a sudden relief out there that they can point to HBO and those things and go, look, they're making soap operas now. We can do that. If you watch one thing. Just watch Outland. Just watch it. I'm just saying if you watch Outland, they might let me do a second series and then just let me watch Yes. If you do a second series, you get to do a second series where you shut up about it. Right. <laughs> I am going to watch Outland uh, because the episode that I thought was episode three was actually episode two. So I'm looking forward to episode three of Outland, which used to be episode two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the other one you can obviously watch on Overview. Yeah. Depending on whichever one is episode three, which one's episode two. 9.30 p.m. Wednesday night, ABC One. I'm going to watch... Uh, what, is it another Pablo Escobar <laughs> documentary, Brett? No, no, no. Um, Adam Hill's in Gordon Street tonight. Uh, just so I can get comfy on the, <laughs> yeah, on yeah. the couch. And then, but watching, and then watching, watching, turn it off. <laughs> just turn off that television. No, no, well, I'm going to have the TV showing that it'll be silent on my computer on iView. I'm going to watch last week's Outland just so that I'm up to speed again. And then, and Cause, then cause otherwise there's no so way I'm going to miss anything when we come into the plot. I know. <laughs> Honestly, if if you know if you know anyone who has an Austin box. box, can you just send twenty people over to their house <laughs> to watch Outland? Actually, no. So that John Richards will shut up. <laughs> I haven't done that self-censoring yeah. thing for a long time. I thought it would be I know, fun. I, I agree. Yeah. If you know someone with a nice damn box, break into their house and force them to watch out there. Just do it. Just, just do it. Because John keeps calling me and saying, 
How many times have you watched? How many times have you watched episode two? Have you watched it on... Did you watch it on, on ABC2 as well as ABC1? On your mobile? Did you watch it, did you watch it on, on iView? Did you watch it on your mobile? Did you, did you buy an Optus mobile so that you could take it on TV now and then watch it later? No, did you, you do it? And I'm like, stop calling me! I can't keep watching it on my phone if you keep calling me. He doesn't understand. You must have bugged the uh, people at the ABC enough by now to know uh, up to what time on iView uh, they actually count for, for those figures. <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, you know what really would have... <laughs> I was going to watch Outland, but I just kept waiting for the lift down in the age. <laughs> hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. John, why doesn't Toby Halligan like you? I know, he never comes in when I'm here. He doesn't. He's really creepy. That's weird. Yeah. I thought we got along quite well. but you know. so, so did I. <laughs> I told you you hit him one too many times. No, I it's thought... going to come back. Yeah, no, I thought, you know, it was the right number of times to hit him. But, you know... <laughs> if you're listening to this uh, straight away as soon as it's hit the uh, the internet, there are still a few days for you to donate to the possible uh, account, uh, boxcutters.possible.com. Possible. And help us get to South by Southwest. Uh so that uh, we can entertain the world and not be really, really poor after it. Yes. Oh, also, cu- currently, currently it stands at we're going to be a little bit poor. If you're going to be there, let us know. Send, it, send an email to hooray at boxcutters.net. Or just click just the contact to, button. Uh, yeah, or do that. Um, just to let us know that you're coming down and uh, we can keep an eye out for you in our... Uh, Theatre. Yeah, send, uh, send, send a picture of what you look like and, and we'll memorise it before the show <laughs> and memorise your name. So then we, we will come up to you and talk to you like we've known you our whole life. I'll actually write mine down. I'll, I'll have it on, on my, uh, my device. What, what device is that? <laughs> is that what we're calling it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 295. I want to say thanks very much to Ben McKenzie for coming in and talking all things geek slash nerd. I still think we should get them to fight. Is that that's what the that's what the upshot of that The new Channel Nine series where geeks and nerds fight at seven o'clock every night. Yeah. I think the nerds yeah. just don't understand why they're being hit. Pretty sure that's where we ended up. So that's why Toby hasn't come back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks also very much to the makers of Outland, 9.30pm, ABC <laughs> One, Wednesday nights, for entertaining us so much with such great television. I'm sure this is a conflict of interest, John. No, no, it's fine. I'm sure. It's fine. I checked. Yeah? I checked, checked? with ACMA. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Until next week, my name is Josh Can. Oh, wait. No, don't forget about ACME. Speaking of ACMA, yeah. don't forget about ACME. Live in the studio, uh, blood, sex... Sugar, Sugar magic. magic. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking at sex and violence on television. That's all you need to know. Sex and violence on television. Me and Josh, what more do you want? Emily McGuire. Yeah, yeah, and Dr. Joey Baker. Uh, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. One of those is not true. See if we can spot which one. Until next... Oh, I will be in my underwear. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm Joe Richards. I continue to be Rhett Cropley. Thanks for listening. Box Cutters catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters is produced by Josh Canal with Brett Cropley and John Richards and help from Courtney Hocking and Dave Lawson. John Richards edited this episode. Peter Wilson from Soup Giant is the man behind making sure you can actually download stuff. He's good that way. We'd like to thank 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world, for letting us use their studios to record this podcast. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you listen to radio the old-fashioned way. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can show your appreciation by leaving a positive review on iTunes or maybe just telling some friends what they're missing out on. You can also donate actual cash money to us by using the donate button at the top of our website. Donating helps keep the show alive and makes us smile. Our website is boxcutters.net and you can find all sorts of ways to contact us there. Did you have any, gr- growing up, did you have any crossover friends? This is a, a question for the room. A- a- any friends who were uh, in a non-nerd section? Well, see, I, I grew up in a country town, so I was pretty much the only nerd there. It was maybe, only nerd maybe in the village. The only nerd in the village, that's right. Um, 
you know, although I would go down to the local bookshop and they'd say, I'm the only nerd in the village. You got any Discworld books? And someone would like, yeah, I've read all six. And I'd go, yeah, 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 I'm going to go home and read them by myself. No, it was, uh, <laughs> no, it really was that kind of, uh, like I would spend a lot of time reading. I didn't, like I got chased around the playground when I was in primary school because I was a big, a huge Doctor Who fan. I loved it my whole life. Can't remember a time when I didn't watch it. And we had a collections day where you had to bring in your collection of things that you collected. And the only thing that I had a big collection of was the Target Doctor Who novelization. So I bought in this massive tub with like 200 of them in it because I had nearly all of them. And every, uh, forever after that, people would just chase me around the playground, like chanting the Doctor and the TARDIS song and making fun of me because they knew I was into Doctor Who and they thought that was incredibly weird. Unless I was just mocking you for being literate. Maybe literacy was just a bad oh, thing in your yeah. country town. I grew up in a country town. I know literacy was never, you it's know, true. it true. was frowned upon. What are you reading for? Like that, <laughs> yeah, 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 that kind yeah, of yeah, Bill Hicks style yeah. statement. So, yeah. so, but John, did you, you, you were a nerd child. I was a nerd child, but weirdly, my, my Doctor Who obsession in, in, child, in primary school at least was kind of echoed. Like everyone in primary school was kind of into Doctor Who yeah. in the country town I grew up in. When I went to high school... That's maybe when I started going to, to secretly going to the actual Doctor Who club. So maybe I learned to you know keep that part deep inside, Cause closeted. For, for me, there were there were things that I heard from uh, from friends who didn't understand. Yeah, yeah, and things that I couldn't hide from it. So I couldn't hide my love for Batman comics. Fair enough, uh, because all I did was draw Batman during class all the time. Like you can't hide that. <laughs> That's too much. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, th- there were friends that I never would have admitted to, ah, oh, this weekend I'm going to go and play D&D. Yeah, right. I, I just, I wouldn't have done that. I, ma- I made that that distinction. And Brett, did you did you have similar experiences or were you just cool all the time? I, I th- yeah, I think I was just cool all the time. Because yeah, you are I, a DJ. I didn't really grow up with, with nerd friends at all. I was like, I, I can't think of any nerds that were in my suburb. To, to be nerdy, you had to go to the city to uh, to that place in Centre Arcade, uh, Game World, uh, and Minotaur to to go and, and revel in the nerdry. <laughs> no, but, the nerds but, were only in the inner city. We heard a rumour there was one in the <laughs> suburb next to us. But, in, in, but that, that was taken Robinson's care of. boy was like said a, to be one. I had, I had my full set of dice and, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, so it was a lot more comedy nerdism that I actually yeah. was more surrounded by. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.